Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. Thanks for hanging with us. We had a Christmas break. We gave you Babes in Toyland. I hope you watched it on your own and traumatized yourself. And now I, your host, Mary Catherine Ham, am back with my friend Victorino Mattis for a New Year episode. How's it going? Hello, Mary Catherine. It's going great. By the way, our, our uh, friend and listener, Just Carl, had sent us that link to an interview on the Drew Barrymore talk show with Keanu Reeves yes. came out. And the funny thing is uh, she brings up babies in Toyland and he still remembers a lot of the cast as, as does she, but then she went on to talk about her 16th birthday part at birthday. And he took her on a motorcycle ride down LA. Right. And it was like the most amazing moment for her. And he, and he has no memory of it. And he's like, when was this where? Cause like, who knows? It was, come on. It was like the 90s, I guess. A lot of that time is lost, Vic. I'm surprised he didn't stay with the Viper Room. That's what I was imagining, the Viper Room. <laughs> uh, I had a nice uh, holiday, went up to the Jersey Shore, saw my dad, my sister's family. The weather was nice one day, and luckily that one day, Kate said, let's go out to get some fresh air and whatnot. Nice. So uh, we really got some fresh air. We went out to the uh, boardwalk on the Jersey Shore in Seaside. Nice. And walked down, strolled down the boardwalk. It's the best time. Uh, to go to the boardwalk because none of the bennies are there. You know the bennies? I you know assume that's like a similar to a, oh crap, why am I forgetting the name of that MTV show? The Jersey Shore yes. cast situation? Very good. Okay. Excellent. Yes, it's all those people from New York. Basically, if you see them from Jersey Shore cast, they're not there right now. So that's really nice. And uh, And took the kids to the sawmill for some enormous Jersey pizza. It is nice. a 27-inch pie. Ooh. And- the slices are like two slices, two normal slices equals one slice there. So they're giant ones. So you could tell yourself you only had like, I only had two slices, but that's really important. four and a half. And so we did that. And uh, the one other interesting observation I would make is uh, walking down the boardwalk. Some of the arcades are open and the souvenir shops, the souvenir shops on the boardwalk are all like Trump stores now. Well, really? I know. Yes. On the on the shore, and it's 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 a really interesting telling indicator because if if you opened up one of these stores like where we live, you know, it'd be burned yeah. to the ground. You know, I mean, there'd be riots and protests and we're, things like that. We're but. thinking about a a trip to check out the shore in the, maybe the early spring, so that the weather's decent, but maybe we do not encounter a ton. Oh, of wait, which people. which shore? The Jersey um, Shore? Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you should go to Cape. We have May. we have friends the there who used to live here, oh. so we we need to go visit. Oh, right. Of course. I know those people. And take, I think. The, take the kids out to the boardwalk and check things yes, out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go out to the boardwalk when it's day. Think of it like vampires. Don't go out at night. It's too dangerous. Okay. You have to stay there during the day when it's still family friendly. No, it really gets Yes. Um, but uh, that was a very interesting observation. Lots of uh, T-shirts with every sort of, you know, flags and T-shirts that say everything, uh, a lot of which I can't actually say on air. So <laughs> I'm just going to, I'll tell you later. I'll leave it at that. How? You know, Yes, Go I'm, I'm good. And I, I want to remind everybody, if you if you want to hear Vic not censor himself, <laughs> you should check out the Sub Beacon podcast. Thank you. Every now and Patreon, then you can subscribe. Yes, please subscribe on Patreon. Don't 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 wait two weeks for the old episode. And then, you know, like a month from now, tell me you just listened to the Spider-Man episode. Don't tell me that. <laughs> well, I, want... I do that sometimes just because I haven't uh, watched sure. the movie and oh, I don't well, want to spoil it. That's true. That's true. How, how was your holiday? Uh, it was good. It was chaotic a little bit and so? then i had to do the the well just like all the i have this extra kid now yeah. and 
have to do all the things with all the kids. I can't just leave one back. Uh, in fact, one, when I arrived at my in-laws house with the three children in tow, I made sure that they grabbed a, a bag of presents each and we headed towards the door and I grabbed some stuff. And, uh, my father-in-law said, aren't you forgetting something? Oh, and I was like, <laughs> Hmm. And then I said, yes, yes, I am. I have three children now and I will now go get the newborn out of the car. Oh, and that that's what funny. she gets for being so quiet. Uh, that, that is, uh, that, that, that's the challenge when you go from two to three, they say is going from, you know, one-on-one to zone defense. Yes. Yeah. I so definitely, that's what you're um, doing now. you know, you're it's just a zone. new number. It's just a new number. And I, I have to <laughs> adjust the way that I check, you know, number keys, three, keys, wallet, phone, all three children. That's, that's right. That's what right. you have to do. That's right. Uh, no, we had a nice holiday because it was in the 60s and 70s in oh, North Carolina. That's nice. So we were sitting on the screen in porch, uh, having a mimosa, enjoying oh, ourselves. Wonderful. Yeah, Lovely. not bad at all. But then I had to play car Tetris coming back, and that was very interesting. Oh, I up 95. Uh, yeah, I, I had to do the car Tetris to get everything in because Santa got some large items oh uh, which, which yeah I, we don't have to worry about that anymore you got a lot of gift cards that's always convenient don't that doesn't take up a lot of trunk space my kids ask like do you have a conversation with santa when he comes down the chimney about what we can and can't have and i enjoyed that imagery i said yep <laughs> he comes down and i'm like oh that's nope, good get it out of here nope get it out of here yeah yeah, yeah. wonderful <laughs> wonderful so a large Barbie dream house tree house, which is Ooh. not technically Barbie brand, but my children don't listen to the podcast. It's what is it? Um, is it a tree house made in China? No, it's a tree house <laughs> that is more aesthetically pleasing than a Barbie <laughs> dream house. But it, but it is to scale, like, so Barbie would fit in the tree house. It is as if. I did fixer upper on a Barbie dream house. Oh, that's good. With the Gaines family. I was going to say the one from Alabama. <laughs> like I, I love like that. We put shiplap in Barbie dream house. It is now modern farmhouse. Oh. It does not look heinous in my household. Thank you, Santa, for taking care of that. And, and they haven't figured it out. That's look, great. I, the, the grateful children and the limited screen time put together. Yes. Means that. No, that gives you a bit more flexibility. So no, this the, is definitely Barbie. Yeah. Are, are these like the old Barbies, the tall ones? Oh the, yeah. So they fish. That's a big. That's a big treehouse then. Yes, I would say it's not to scale. <laughs> but you can always say it's just Barbie, because she's but that's tall. very trendy. A tiny house is very trendy. Yes, it is very trendy, and it's unfortunate if you're a tall woman. But you know, Barbie Elizabeth Debicki, you know, you, very tall. You know what? That's, that's the price the pay, she pays for those gams. That's okay? right. I know. And so she's like all leg. And then just yeah. <laughs> so now we're back here, and we have the, uh, the snowmacron is what they're calling it. Oh, hey, that's pretty good because it yeah. does combine. We have about what do you have? Like a foot? We have about a foot. It was a lot. It was definitely. Uh, it's hard for me to tell. A foot in uh, drifts. Is, I should say. A, I was going to say the, in drifts. Yes, definitely a foot in drifts. And I, I, I cleared out a lot of the snow uh, yesterday. My son did, my wife did. And then do you do the windshield? Does, I should ask if your husband does this or you do the, the windshields, you have them stick up, you know, so that so I, I have done that. That's the thing I learned when I moved here. I'm a Southerner. I am not trained for right. this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm not trained for it. I don't go out in it. I'm a very not fun snow mom. I go outside. And I'm like, oh, this is 
great. I'm really cold. Can we go back but of course, the, the kid, the kids, they all want to go out, don't they? They just want to. Yeah. And I, I want to support that. I really do. And I like sledding. I do like sledding. I yes. like the thrill until I injure my ass, which is definitely going to happen at some part point. of the fun. It's part of the fun. <laughs> the but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I just I, I have yeah. a limited bandwidth for outdoors in the cold. It's just. I'm not bred no, for it. I'm 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 with you to a certain extent. I like it where it's nice and warm. It's the, there's no better feeling than going back in and it's toasty warm. Yeah. Uh, but I have they, one kid that's yeah. very geared for being outside and the other one who's very geared for going outside in order to earn hot chocolate. That is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you might as well heat up. Part. You got to heat it up already because you know that's what they want when they come back with marshmallows. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So we're 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 surviving. Good. The kids are out of school. <laughs> yes. So are ours in, in in Northern Virginia, you know, that school officials were thanking the Lord for this storm because it meant that they didn't have to cancel for Omicron or for whatever this gave you two more days of isolation and quarantine. If you needed it, assuming that you had gotten tested positive and had symptoms or something eight days ago or whatever it is. So maybe that helps. So I want to point out in the New York times, I think we've talked about this phenomenon. David Leonhart writes a column about. Oh yes. COVID coverage and health coverage. And it's a good bellwether. It's yes. But often it's function is to tell us what we've known for a year and a half. So we have (laughs) now reached, we have reached the, now it can be told portion of this program for the damage that COVID restrictions have done to children not COVID itself that's that's an that's an important distinction because people are like oh the pandemic and COVID really hurt children well it was far more of the restrictions that hurt them than it was the actual disease and that's a problem because of the recovery rate of 99.998 percent which not a lot of people talk about that but well and children in particular are, are at so very low risk for severe illness and every time there's a new wave the a lot of the media and a lot of people tell you this is the one that's different. You can't be so blithe about this. Yeah. You can't be cavalier with the children. What they actually say is in all caps, why do you want children to die? Yes. But I'm paraphrasing. But every time the data shows that, in fact, children are not at great risk for severe illness. And that is something that we should celebrate and we should operate based upon those facts. Thank you. I would stipulate, I also understand that if Omicron is hugely, hugely contagious, that you will have more people and then you'll have more complications in raw numbers. I understand yes. that. And that can be a problem, but we're still in a place where blessedly a very small percentage of children have complications. Yes, that's right. And what you're trying, we're, we're trying to aim for at this point is herd immunity. Yeah. Because if it's highly transmissible, but mild and it's upper respiratory, then that is different than its first iteration. But that's that's not what the, the Twitter and the media no. environment would suggest to you uh, today. What I am finding out is, okay, so David Leonhart writes this piece that says, it's called No Way to Grow Up. American children are in crisis. Just the top lines. Children fell far behind in school during the first year of the pandemic and have not caught up. That's what happens when you close major metro schools for a year. Yeah, uh, Many children and teenagers are experiencing mental health problems. Suicide rates are up. And the Omicron variant is scrambling children's lives again. We are about to do the same damn thing again. 
or that's right. We're in danger of it. I'm not sure it's happening yet, but it feels like it's very close to happening. Well, we're going to shut down again. It's so fascinating because uh, the other side is now being split in two. As you mentioned, David Leonhardt, also the administration are now talking about things, acknowledging the harm that remote learning has done for children. I mean, if at the end of the day, they actually care about, you know, their children and their education level and how they're advancing compared with other countries, that should be worrisome, you know, because they want our kids, we should want our kids to be the best. Of course, that's not really the priority in many ways. And so now you're hearing, you know, the pushback against this. The The other thing uh, I heard is, of course, our, our old friend, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, was also pointing out about the hospitalization numbers for kids. Do you remember they were pointing out in the news, oh, it's up by 200%, 300%, some insane number. And Fauci himself had to say that there's a difference between the kids who are in the hospital who happen to have COVID and kids who are in the hospital because of COVID. Yes. And the latter number is much smaller. And he tried to ex- he's trying to explain this. That side of, uh, of the argument is now turning on itself. And so you have people like the administration saying that we don't want to shut down and people technically their allies on their side who are saying, wait a minute, you know, like the, the teachers unions, like the Chicago teachers union saying that we don't want to go back unless every single student and faculty tests negative. So you're all going to get a kit. By the way, nobody has the kit. And yeah. if we can't get this done, then let's do two weeks remote. And the big oh. fear, of course, is two weeks leads to two months. And as you said, here we are again. Exactly. Randy Weingarten, head of the American Federation of Teachers, who recently had been attempting to rehabilitate her image into someone who's been trying to have schools open. You would think that if she was a hero of school openings, she would step in on some of these disputes. And yet her Twitter campaign is still along the lines of like, look, we really want to go back, but it has to be very safe and safe. This- this surge is undeniable. Uh, and so what are, what are we going to do? What, what can we do? So, well, one thing that you can do is in New York City, the mayor, the new mayor said, we want to be extremely clear. The safest place for children is a school building. Oh, he wow. Is, he is remarking upon the fact that schools often reflect community spread. They do not exacerbate it. And in fact, there are some studies that show if you send children home, where their parents have to scramble for childcare and they're moving around to different places in different homes, they in fact have more exposure than they would in one room at a classroom. Um, That's right. Now this, of course, as, as you point out, has, has caused big, big mad, big mad about that from some sectors, <laughs> but it will, it lays down a line where it will allow New York City's schools to operate normally as quickly as possible in yeah. this wave. Good for, good for the mayor. And like, here's the thing. Omicron is very contagious. I got the COVID. It didn't ruin Christmas. <gasps> years. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, Flip. yeah. <laughs> so everybody's everybody's getting it. Yeah. Ours is very mild. Um, so I understand that in a particularly in a small school, mm-hmm. you could have staffing issues that would not allow you to go back. However, that is a school level issue, not a system wide surrender. You have to make these calls differently. Than just saying everybody everybody stay that's home right. and then again there is no trust that places like here will reopen if they close that's the that's the major issue you could argue hey we just needed targeted closing yeah. for this week but nobody believes you nobody believes you yeah 
it is it is it is so it is so ridiculous right now and there are so many things going on for example suddenly now the administration making the argument that we have to take the economic concerns into account and and then there are people freaking out about that saying oh it's all about the money but this is obviously on the other side of it and this is something that we've been saying uh, certainly on this show and other people have been saying for quite a long time that you have to be able to balance the sort of health policies, social policies, and economic policies so that we don't have a complete breakdown and nobody ever goes back to school and we're seeing what's happening there. So, I mean, it really is a nightmare, but good for them, for uh, good for the mayor of New York for uh, pushing this. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. And certainly if the Chicago teachers decide to strike, then we know that they've got a problem on their hands. I think, I think parents are poised to preemptively start fighting yeah, because they've seen what happens if school districts are left to themselves. And I should say, as I, as I sometimes forget to, that in many places in this country, none of this is happening. Yeah, uh, and I... even, even the New York times must admit that the places it is happening, <laughs> a vast majority of the nation's school districts, they report, including most of the largest ones appear to be oper- operating relatively normally. Still, mm-hmm. the closures this week appeared to be concentrated in regions such as the Northeast and Upper Midwest, where Democratic Party policymakers and teachers unions have taken a more cautious approach to operating schools throughout the pandemic. So those places will suffer. Several of the shuttered districts serve predominantly Black, Hispanic, and low-income students, raising concerns about educational gaps that widened during the previous phases of the pandemic. I would um, really like to hope that a lot of parents out there really are saying enough is enough. But again, we live in areas where, you know, there are parents, you know, who want their, their, their two-year-olds or your four-year-olds to be boosted. So, you know, know, it's, it's, it's a different world. Uh, There, no, there is a, there is a dynamic of that. And I, I would say as schools opened parents and students get more comfortable with school being open. So that's when there's parent hesitation, mm-hmm. the more we practice being open and are successful being open, mm-hmm. the more children will be able to come back. Right. Whereas sort of sending everybody home doesn't actually help us. It does not uh, help. Uh, we, I was going to say, we just, we need to, uh, we need to treat Omicron. If it's, if it's an upper respiratory and by all accounts and by various studies, whether it be from South Africa or Europe or here in the United States or Japan, by all accounts that Omicron is mild, then we need to treat it as such. Because if you could have a very serious flu and feel awful, there's nothing from stopping you from, you know, preventing you from going in two days later. If you feel like, okay, I feel a little bit better. I'm going in for whatever reason. Whereas if you have a mild cold, you're out for 10, 14 days. Now they lowered it to five. So people are beginning to say, wait a minute, this is arbitrary. And the other interesting thing is you look at one of the gauges that I always see is on late night talk shows. And there are sites like Grabian who does this and they give you the highlights and you can see the comedians who are beginning to turn on the CDC. That is an interesting thing. It's very interesting. So. Yeah, we haven't we haven't even gotten into that. But the no, well, that's a whole other story. CDC just sort of weather vane in the wind up there, right. depending on how how mad people get about whatever policy they put forward. And then the incompetence of the school systems who at this point. Okay, they didn't know August 2020 was coming, apparently, and that school would start again. But now they're claiming they didn't know that Omicron and Christmas existed because I feel like, I feel like we knew that. And maybe there could have been a plan. And uh, a, a woman liberal who I've been on TV with talking about this before, Carrie Rodriguez, who's she started the National Parents Union. That's her issue. And part of her message is like, why is this still chaotic every time? Instead of if you're going to if you're going to do this, let's do it with some care for families that 
don't have the resources to keep their kids home necessarily. And it, it's never done yeah. with that in mind. I'm like talking like crazy about this and I don't care. <laughs> well, media, we, we had a week off. We have so much energy here. There's a lot to say. Yeah. The, the overrepresentation in the media of overly cautious COVID folks is also yeah. a problem. And just like the, the tendency to go toward the freak out story, as opposed to the more calm data, for instance, my COVID a couple days of mild symptoms. I'm thankful for that. Vaccination seems by the data to be, particularly for high-risk people, the best way to limit your symptoms and to keep you out of the hospital. Mine was joint aches that I just thought was old lady who had a baby and <laughs> turned out it was COVID. And, right, you uh, hear the aches. Some people talk about the aches. And a dry cough for right. a couple days. Right. And then it all sort of sloped off. If I wrote a column about that, no one would want it. Yeah, that's right. However, as opposed to. However, if I wrote a column about how I isolated my newborn in another part of my home because I was so petrified that my germs as the mother of a two-month-old would damage her irreparably forevermore and leave her with a legacy of long COVID. And therefore I had to find a tiny N95 to fit her. And put, I mean, this is, I'm exaggerating only a tiny bit. You'd be surprised how much support you'd get for that column. A ton. <laughs> and that's the yes, problem. That's the way to do it. I probably yeah. get yelled at for saying what we actually did, which is I took care of my baby while I had COVID. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you gave the baby antibodies. That's terrible. I, but that kind of column, which is the column that is in demand and that kind of coverage validates anxieties that should Yes. Be reckoned with yeah. and should be treated instead of validated and increased. And yeah, it exacerbates it exacerbates the anxieties. Uh, I, I just the idea of trying to, you know, isolate your children from you and say, stay down in the basement for 14 days or 10 days and don't leave. I mean, that's not healthy. No. OK, it's not. And and and, we're, and and assuming that they're going to be fine and that their symptoms are not going to be severe as it is for most children. I just don't see how you, you could do that, but people do. All right. One more kid in school point. One more Vic. Okay. This is my thing. Yeah. Uh, in the Northern Virginia area, the good news is we won't know how much we've hurt kids academically because in places like the Arlington public school system, oh. they're just going to stop measuring. Yeah. You know, this, uh, this story. Yeah, this is a local story, but sort of applies to anywhere where this happened, where they are trying to play play dirty with the with the data because yes. they don't want to reveal what has happened in the past year. And so in Arlington, some some proposals are uh, yeah. no late penalties for homework so they can just turn it in whenever no extra credit. As the proposal says, extra credit leads to biased grades and penalizes students with fewer resources, unlimited redos and retakes on assignments. No grading for homework, as the proposal says, mistakes are vital to learning and students are less likely to take risks when they fear they will be graded down for making mistakes. Uh, and this is all in the name of equity, and I think cynically to cover up the losses that we've seen. It's really quite shocking. And one of the lines that they use there is about a more equitable 
equitable yes. uh, policy for, you know, for, uh, for grading and whatnot. Kudos to, by the way, at the local school here, Wakefield High School, where a number of teachers signed a letter pushing back and saying, this is actually a terrible idea and you're doing a disservice to kids by not having things like extra credit and, and homework on time and, and Nick punctuality, the, the, the notion that punctuality is somehow um, racist is, 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 I mean, you're not helping people because in life, there are deadlines that have to be met sometimes. And, well, you know, there's also, uh, an, there's also inherent a bridge, in this, you know, there's, there's inherent in this an inability yeah. for teachers to assess where kids are. That's right. Uh, in working on their own. Right. Uh, so you have fewer opportunities for that. And you have a kid who might fall behind as a result of that. I liked this quote. You could have a student who worked and worked and worked and put in tons of effort and still did poorly on tests that student could end up with the same average as a student who pretty much sailed through the quarter, didn't put much effort in, didn't turn in assignments and did fairly well on a final test. By the way, that would be me. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, those same students would end up with the same grade. Right. And that's, yeah. that's not helping those guys. Well, you'd feel better about it. You could pat yourself on the back that you were more equitable about it, I guess is the whole point. But, if, and if you, if you, if you, if you rely on students, uh, young people to turn in assignments, when they feel that they can get to it. You might not never, you might never get it. Oh, that would be me a hundred percent. Yeah. Without a deadline, like, I am nothing, Vic. Yes. It would be like me and my second book proposal. Oh, wait a minute. That hasn't happened. Uh, working on it. But working on it. Though. Forthcoming. It. Forthcoming is a word that I like yeah, to use. For, for yeah, forthcoming. So that's a terrible idea. And, and uh, you know, kids need to be challenged. I'm just going to leave it at that. But uh, the idea that, you know, you don't want to grade homework and that homework assignments can be turned in, you know, willy nilly is just a terrible idea. Oh, well, speaking of coddling juveniles, let's talk about AOC. Oh, hey, how about that? Yeah. So she had a tweet. What was the tweet about? Okay. What so look, I hesitate to talk about AOC because in a similar style to former President Trump, she has a way of whipping up media coverage that always redounds to her benefits somehow even if it's terrible right, I, right. I don't understand how it works but you know who i do like to talk about me i like to talk uh, about please me. yes and uh and so i, I, I think we need to play my response to aoc so let me set up what happened here aoc on twitter while she was in florida for new year's a former trump official lash or you know criticizes her in florida sitting out She's sitting outside having a drink with her boyfriend with that, without a mask in Miami, I think. And Steve Cortez says, if leftists like AOC actually thought mandates and masking worked, they wouldn't be frolicking in free Florida. Two, her guy is showing his gross pale male feet in public, not at a pool or beach with hideous sandals. Over two. Wow. All right. The, I will that second that, one is the worst thing to it. I, I will grant about. you that the shot at the, the feet is gratuitous. So <laughs> AOC says in response, if Republicans are mad that they can't date me, they can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you creepy weirdos. Yes. <laughs> yes. She goes on to elaborate that people need therapy and all of all of her critics issues are wrapped up in a fixation mm -hmm. on her that is likely sexual. <laughs> so I have thoughts, but I'm going to reserve them for after your uh, you you could because you chimed in yourself on this. I did. You? Okay, TV. so so this is this is me on CNN talking about AOC. She and I are going to be busties now. <laughs> what do you make of all this? 
Well, first of all, I woke up like this, so I think you have an authority <laughs> on people being sexually frustrated by my mere existence. It happens all the time. And I'm glad to be able to discuss this important issue with you. The plight of the super hot in America has long been ignored. Uh, and AOC has started a national conversation about this. Uh, and, you know, I know we've all dealt with it. And by that, I mean AOC and you, Brianna, and myself and John. Well, and the point is, um, you know, we can start an organization or something. And just the other day, uh, I noticed the IRS keeps sending me notices, even though I've never expressed any interest in them. And it's like, why are you so obsessed with me? Uh, but one day you wake up and you think to yourself, is there more to life than being really, really ridiculously good looking? Uh, you know, I did it and now I'm here. Uh, AOC did it and now she's a congresswoman. And <laughs> in that capacity, you have to answer questions. And like, I'm goofing on this because it's goofy, but to question the motives of every questioner you come across, uh, I don't think behooves you. I have to tell people because uh, obviously they can't, this is a podcast. When you see the clip, and you see Mary Catherine on that clip. That's how she looks like right now. So I yeah. mean, that, that, she, mm -hmm. she just rolled out of bed and here she is. We're looking at her and she looks exactly like that. Just, you know, that's just how she normally looks totally. uh, like. I don't know if you've ever seen the, is it the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, you know, yes. in the first season. And she gets up really early in the morning to put on her makeup, go back to bed. Wow. Uh, that's, that's definitely the kind of wife I am. That's, that's commitment. So to allow that guy was terrible. But in any event, it's really something because, uh, uh, you know, social media can be an affliction. Yes. And you really sh just because a thought pops into your head does not mean that you need to share it with the world. And she has a lot of fault. She's sharing with yes. the world. And clearly, and it's something that I'm sure in her mind at the time, she was like, this is what it's all about. And it makes sense to me. And this sounds like a great thing to send out to everybody. I'm really going to hit him good. And let me tell you, you know, that these are all just people who want to have sex with me. And, and then it's out there and it's not exactly a good idea to do something like this. Although, can I just say what, what it says, what it says to me is maybe, maybe she's the one who's thinking about this a lot. I don't know. It's a. Uh, kind of hot uh, anyway okay Mary Catherine, <laughs> please back to you anyway my coalition for the hot people you know we we have to address these issues Vic we have to address them no it's it's so lazy to attribute bad faith and this weirdness to anyone who asked you a question what I said on the being more serious in the segment was hey there's a fair question here the fair question is did yours and your partner's trip to Florida endanger you and others and if it did not, that suggests that people can use their personal freedom to operate within a world with COVID without being the grandma killers you so desperately want to make them out to be. Look, I had it over possibly yeah, no, Christmas it. and New Year's and we're good so far. <laughs> that No, that was spot on. And I loved your turn on, on CNN because, I mean, you look great. Brianna Keeler, of course, looks great. And John Berman, I can't believe you knocked him. Uh, you know, he's a very charming guy. It. He's a very charming. You it. never know. You never know. I had to, you know, you know, John can take it. <laughs> so now AOC and I, due to this, our, our similar affliction, <laughs> we will we will become allies and perhaps friends. Until one day she must disown me as in another entertainment story, a friend had to tr like explain his friendship this week. Have you seen this story, Vic, about Patton Oswalt? I, I, I read and it. I read it last night. Okay. So Patton Oswalt is a comedian, solidly of the 
left side. Solidly. I mean, I really don't like this guy, although he was the voice of Ratatouille, <laughs> the voice of Ratatouille. I like him on funny screen. He was funny like on V, but his yeah. stuff, his, his actual opinions are, are, are horrible, that I find. <laughs> well, we're going to find out uh, what kind of friend he is here. So Patton Oswalt is a comedian, solidly of the left, who uh, hung out with his friend Dave Chappelle on New Year's. And he put up a picture of the two of them. And oh, the, boy. the caption looks like it's now gone from his original post. But it said, you know, we've been friends for years. This is my guy. He's smart and funny. Oh, all the things that, you know, they came up in the comedy world together and he's taken a picture with a very famous, very funny comedian. Now, of course, Dave Chappelle, as we've talked about on the show, had the controversy controversy earlier this year when he did his Netflix schedule uh, special that included a bit on trans people and turfs, which is traditional. What is, oh man, I'm going to forget what it is traditional um, Alex. trans sorry Olympics. i like had it and now i don't <laughs> uh trans exclusionary radical feminist we got it, it. yes and turfs who jk rowling for the is, win is, is alex for the win is counted among uh that population uh so he got a lot of backlash for this picture that he put on his instagram so his move was to write an essay just sort of justifying his friendship with Chappelle, but also sort of apologizing for it. Uh, it, And and it's so long. I'm just going to read you a little bit. I saw a friend I hadn't seen in a long time this New Year's Eve. This is accompanied by a very sad picture of Patton uh, looking down at a a yellow notebook and no doubt writing this, this essay. He's a fellow. We've known each other since, since we were teens. He's a fellow comedian, the funniest I've ever met. I wanted to post a pic and an IG story about it. So I did. The friend is Dave Chappelle. 34 years we've been friends. He's refocused and refined ideas. A lot of us took as settled about race and history and life on planet earth and spun them around with a phrase and a, or a punchline, blah, blah, blah. We've done a lot of things together, but we also 100% disagree about transgender rights and representation. And he goes on to tell about how much he supports them it just it goes on and on i'm a i'm an ally i'm a loyal friend right and he asked uh, well he has to show his uh, his creds to the, everyone who's about to attack him for taking the photo with dave chappelle well so this i guess this is the crux of it i'm an lgbtq ally i'm a loyal friend there's a friction in those traits that i need to reconcile myself and not let anyone cause cause feelings of betrayal and not cause feelings of betrayal in anyone else and i'm truly sorry that i didn't consider the hurt this would cause or the depth of that hurt that he took a picture with his friend on Instagram. And that's the thing, I guess if you, if being an ally means that you cannot be friends with your closest and longest friends, do you want to do that? Yeah. Also you cannot, you you really should not, uh, comedians should not like most people in general in defense of free speech, but you you don't want to be, beholden uh, to the masses uh, that will tell you as a comedian what is acceptably funny and what is not. Uh, I mean, that's the whole point of being the comedian is you go right up to the edge. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to listen to it, yeah. you know? But I mean, yes, they're, they should be friends and he shouldn't have to explain his friendship because I mean, everyone has different opinions on everything, you know, that's just the way it is. But Obviously, there are things that are just not acceptable to have a different opinion anymore in certain circles. And this is one of them. 
And so that, this is how Pan Oswald finds himself in, in, in this bind. But it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's the reason why a lot of comedians don't do stand up in, in colleges and university campuses anymore, you know, because you're offending so many people. You can't just say what was not long ago. Very hilarious. Right. It makes me sad to to watch yeah. that. Yeah. Cowtowing. Okay. Well, and just to just to do that to your friendship, the the right answer is this is and on a, on a much smaller level. I deal with this friends of the left that I have and people who identify me with the right say, how can you be friends? with? Let's just say Juan Williams, for instance. Sure. <laughs> right. He's the the resident uh, liberal on Fox News. As such, he has a lot of people who disagree with him. And, I, you know, I think unfairly dislike him. And they don't think that I should be friendly with him. And he, I, he gets yeah. the same from people. Oh, on absolutely. Right? And I say, Juan is a very good person. And I will remain friends with him. Thanks for your thoughts. That's, and that's it. One of the funny things is uh, we, uh, many, many, many years ago, I don't know if you were on this cruise with us, Mary Catherine. This is probably one before that. We did a weekly standard cruise many years ago. And Juan Williams was one of our cruise guests, yes. right? Uh, and he would be with us on panels and everything. And, and people were all up in arms about Juan Williams being on the ship. And then but wanting to meet him, they were intrigued. How, how is this possible? What's going on? And then what people would say to me is, you know, that Juan Williams is such a nice guy. If only he would change his opinions on all these things and be a conservative. <laughs> I said, you know, the whole point of him being on, on TV was to be, you know, having the other opinion. You know, right. if everyone's just sitting around getting together, I mean, that's the whole point. That's his added value is that, in fact, he believes, you know, these things as opposed to those things. And and anyway, but it is it's funny that, you know, a lot of people, you, they just can't wrap their heads around that. Yes. And it's it's important for you as a person to know people who disagree with you. It is unfair and unrealistic to require mm-hmm. that they agree with you in degree and policy on every yeah. single issue. It just yeah. can't happen. And, I, you know, I say the same thing for for people who on the right and the left who wonder like, why are you on CNN? Get her off of there. Mm-hmm. Blah. <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm here. I'm here. Cause I can't find anybody to agree with me. And it's good fun as illustrated yeah. by the AOC clip. And, and I think good for society. And, and if you, if you start giving up friends over it, it's a bad look. There are some, there are some lines we don't cross. There's some lines that make you go, Oh, this opinion is, is something I can't tolerate. But to ask, like, to ask, entire fealty to your point of view yeah 100 percent. what people do and if not yeah. you have to sort of scrub your life of people on for political things yeah i think is a bad move also gives you no chance if you're into it to try to communicate with those people about your point yeah. of view which yeah. might turn them into people who agree with your point of view right i mean yes exactly and uh, I mean, it makes me think of uh, great comedians like Jerry Seinfeld, who, who, who are very good friends with people who, with, with different ideas, uh, whether it they be Bill Maher, uh, Chris, Larry Miller. You know, I mean, it's just uh, it's the whole point. You can't you know, I mean, it's insane that this is that this fealty that you're talking about. And Bill Maher in particular is going to be very interesting because he really just does, says whatever he thinks. Yes. And oftentimes will annoy not just, you know, guests and people on the left, but his audience. I mean, the audience is there. And sometimes, you know, they're, you could tell they're very, they're, they're, you know, chafing in their seats. They're very, it makes them very uncomfortable. And, you know, how do other, his fellow comedians feel about that? I mean, that, that's, that's another interesting uh, I am, thing. I am often for. in disagreement with him, although not yeah. as often this year as other years. Right. But Same. I love 
that he feels free to say what he wants to say. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And I, I love it even when As I he should. with him. That's right. Oh, Vic, are you ready? All right. Give are it you to ready me. for the filibuster fight? Oh, <laughs> It's a rumble in Washington. This, uh, please explain first. Okay. All right. So the filibuster is sort of a, uh, a long time. It's a long time Senate rule. It has existed for a very, very, very long time that makes passing legislation basically a 60 vote prospect as opposed to a 51 vote prospect in the Senate. It is much, much harder to get legislation through the Senate than it is through the House because of this feature. You may know the filibuster, those who don't follow Congress super closely, as uh, from like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, <laughs> yeah. where somebody stands up and talks. The actual filibuster, yeah. Right, yeah. a literal fi- filibuster where someone speaks for a long period of time to keep something from moving forward or to forcefully make a point in the Senate. However, the filibuster as it exists right now is more of a just a rules function, and it does not require you to stand up and do the whole speech. By the way, I would enjoy if it did. It doesn't require you to do the whole speech to prevent moving forward on legislation. You just can't move forward. Uh, This has been used more liberally in uh, in recent years and decades uh, by both parties. And both parties, when they're out of power, are very fine with it. And when they're in power, they're like, no, 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 the filibuster is the worst. It's like democracy will end immediately. Particularly Democrats right now are on that vibe (laughs) that it is going to ruin democracy if the filibuster persists any longer, because after all, you can't have Joe Manchin representing his uh, constituents and messing this all up for us because we want to pass all this legislation. So the proposal now is that Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer, formerly enthusiastic user of the filibuster, (laughs) as is the case with every member of the Senate. It's been memory uh, hold. Yes. During the entire Trump administration, he's like, okay, we're going to vote to get rid of this thing because a Senate rules change takes 50 votes, correct? Or, you know, the the bare majority, not 51 votes, not 60. So we're going to change this. This is sort of a, would be a monumental change in the way the Senate does business. Uh, the issue for Democrats is that is if they were to get rid of it, which I don't think they should, because I love that it's hard for them to pass stuff, but that's just me. The problem is that guess who has control probably in 2022. And to me, the self-preservation should keep them from doing this, but I don't know if it's going to keep them from doing it. It's like they totally forgot about the nuclear option and how everybody pushed for this when the Democrats were in, uh, had the majority in the Senate under Harry Reid and they wanted to get things through and they wanted to get judges and everything else. And of course, I mean, everybody, including up, up at Vox and, you know, who are pushing for this and saying nuclear option because, you know, Obama's president. I mean, honestly, Republicans are never going to come back. What are they going to do? Like someone like Donald Trump, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's never going to happen in 2016. We know because everything is so amazing. Um, and they pushed for it. And then, of course, Republicans take over and they get a ton of judges confirmed. Yes. You know, so that, in, in, that was so there was an year. early escalation or not early, but it was like in the 2000s during the Bush administration. But I don't want to get too in the weeds, but during the Bush administration to use the filibuster in a way it hadn't been used before, which is to block judicial nominees from the Bush right. administration. Republicans were very mad about this and they suddenly were like, the filibuster is bad and we have to get rid of it. Now, it was being used in a new way, right? So 
Yeah. They were saying, we're going to get rid of this thing. You watch out. They were pilloried in the media for this. And it did not come to pass during past during the Bush years. Later, 2013, Harry Reid is having a similar problem. And he says, the late Harry Reid just recently. Yes. Uh, he says, we're going to get rid of the, the filibuster for judicial nominations. Here we go. Nuclear option. Right Strangely in. not pilloried by the press. Pushes the button. Gets rid of it for judicial nominees. Now, they didn't intend it to be gone for SCOTUS nominees because they wanted to prevent Republicans <laughs> from easily approving yeah. the picks of, say, a President Trump. Nonetheless, when Trump become president, became president, the path was laid for there to be a 51-vote majority for SCOTUS nominees instead of a 60-vote. And now we are here arguing about it again with people just switching sides every time. <laughs> That's right. And the other thing you mentioned is... Chuck Schumer literally says democracy is in peril. That is their great fallback. It's a catch-all. Anytime they want to get anything passed now, it's we must pass X because democracy is in peril. You know, and 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 this is why we're taking what seem like radical measures, but it is necessary in order to preserve the republic at least until we get what we want. And then all of a sudden, when the Republicans take power, they're going to be like, "This is such a terrible thing." You know, yeah, no, need, no, it's going to be the, the it is worst amazing. thing but then, ever. But then the media will somehow but then forget about it and say, oh, yeah, absolutely. And they'll just go along and get their you know talking point. It's crazy. The rule is if you use the filibuster for good, it's good. And if you use the filibuster for quote unquote bad, bad. it's bad. That's right. And we all know which way the right. moral pendulum swings. And you and you you would agree, I assume that even if he got it up for a vote, it would not pass because he does not have 51 votes. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has 51 votes because I think several of the mansion among them, the yeah. moderate and delightfully stubborn Democratic senators will say no to this. It's strange to me that they would that he would attempt this right yeah. before 2022, because yeah. the chance I mean, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to happen, but the chances that it would. That's pretty scary for them as a as a well i mean i think a lot of a lot of senators obviously republicans but uh, democrats and not just Manchin, you know will think about this and and how this might haunt them in the future as a as they say in the sopranos it's bad for business business. and that's that's sort of where i am on this i'm i'm a person this is the filibuster is not a constitutional thing it is a senate rule they can change it however I like that it slows them down. Could there be tweaks made that would make it easier for people to work together? Sure. Sure. But I think that things that slow them down and uh, reform to make them deliberate as opposed to not uh, would be good as opposed to this would just be like, we got a bare majority. We don't have to deliberate at all. Boom. And I think passing large pieces of legislation as they attempted with Build Back Better Mm -hmm. with just 51 votes is not healthy for society. So I, I, I desperately want to be an institutionalist, even though the institution is very bad. Well, we <laughs> and know I, what's, it's healthy yeah. for both sides to have a, to have a break here. B-R-A-K-E, not B-R-E-A-K. <laughs> what, what, what's funny is I was looking at some of the comments in the post, you know, the, the post had reported on this and, and a lot of the reactions are like, yes, thank God it's about time. Why did he wait so long? This has to happen now. And then some people would push back and say, yeah, but on the other hand, the Republicans, you know, may take over and then what? And then people would say, people will say, well, let them pass there. And, and then everyone will know what horrible legislation they're going to pass. And then, and then they'll pay up. Well, great. That all sounds wonderful. 
Arms so. arms race of major legislation passed yeah. with bare majorities. That sounds awesome for society. I mean, the worst thing is usually happening, so that'll probably. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, okay, I do have a call out. I have a call out. I don't know okay. if you do. Uh, uh, I just want to call it a brand new listener, uh, an old friend of mine uh, from college, Bob King. He had texted me over the holidays or before the holidays and asked, what podcasts do I listen to? And, you know, he listened to certain podcasts. He was telling me and he says, you know, you'd be pretty good at I think you could do some of these shows. And I just said, actually, I'm way ahead of you. I don't say I'm pretty good, but I said, actually, I do do. I do, too, actually. And he says he listens to both. So I just wanted to give him a special thank Thank you, Bob, for tuning in. He is, by the way, he is a lawyer out in California. He has a company called Legally Nanny, which is sort of like if you have any concerns about your hired sort of you have au pairs and nannies or anybody else in tax yes. status and things like That's that. Thing. You don't want to have to uh, pay all sorts of penalties and get in trouble for this. So it's a legal resource for all your home care needs. So it's Legally Nanny. I don't go. I go to barely legally nanny but that's a whole oh other my story. god I'll, I'll talk about that on the show the, the other show on the sub beacon it was okay. worth it for that <laughs> you like that wind up that was quite a wind up and that wraps up another edition of getting hammered remember you can subscribe to us on itunes google play and stitcher and you could follow me on twitter at victorina mattis probably not after that line <laughs> thanks to bill vix and for everybody Bob, who listened yes. to us over uh the christmas break and for sticking with us i'm mary Catherine ham you can find me at mk hammer on twitter or at mk hammer time on instagram this has been a nebulous media podcast okay.